0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Joining us today in the studio, a frequent guest uh, of the of the podcast, Evan Grant. Evan, it's great to see you in here.
1: Thanks for having me, Kevin. What will I be receiving as uh, your guest on the, the
0: podcast for uh, for appearing today in studio with us? We have a uh, some lovely uh, wind chimes. <laughs> And a. Can I take this foam? Home? This that, that, foam that foam? Oh, it's. It, it, soundproofing? Whatever you want. Take it right off the walls.
1: Um, all right. Well, this is all great small talk that we're having. Uh, it's probably better than talking about the Rangers, but let's talk about the Rangers. Well, now. hey,
0: they're on a winning streak. Well, or they were at the, at, the, at the taping of this podcast. They were on a one game winning they, streak.
1: They won. They beat Detroit. Yeah. Which is not saying a lot these days. No, which is a terrible team. Yeah. Um, but they won last night after being down 5-1? 5-1. So they were down 5-1. They were down 5-1. That's another, correct. Another comeback win for them.
0: A little bit of a sloppy game. Uh, we had a few little crazy things happen out there. Uh, I would say this, so though. Let, let's cover a couple of the high points. And one of the high points is one of my, you know, and I, and I hate to say High points this. of the season or the game? Of the game. Uh, no, because this guy, he had a high points in that game, and he is one of the high points of the season to me, is um, – Delight uh, on the shields, has uh, really picked up his game defensively. Uh, and this was, you know, his, his arm's not any better than it ever was, and people are still going to run on him. Uh, but he is really covering a lot of ground out there, and uh, his instincts have gotten much better. And this was something that came up during the broadcast that Emily brought up um, and was talking about his note-taking, which I had never noticed that before. He's got a notebook in the dugout, and he is writing in his notebook during the game.
1: Yeah, he 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 keeps a couple of notebooks. I noticed this um, on the last homestand, and was uh, I, I was working on a different differentolina story, and, and didn't get a chance to really talk to him about about the notebook. But he does keep uh, he does keep notes, and I, I in pretty copious amounts of notes, and that's important. Uh, I think it's 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 all the more important for a younger guy. Uh, I think we make a lot out of it when we see somebody taking notes. Um, maybe because it does appear to be so rare, but you would think that that guys should be doing that. Uh, I think there's a lot of guys who keep stuff on computers. Yeah, um, yeah. They keep video files and things like that on computers that we may not see. I want to point something out to you regarding Delano De Shields. I, I think offensively he has been he's been really good since he's come back. I think he knows who he is as a player now. But I want to point this out to you mm-hmm. that. If you go to Fangraphs uh-huh. um, and you look at their uh, defensive uh, statistics, yeah, among center fielders, uh, among center fielders with at least 150 innings, because Delino, you know, had missed those, those three weeks with right. that hand injury, the top defensive center fielder in Major League Baseball currently is Delino DeShields,
0: according to fan graphs. <laughs>
1: Uh, I think
0: I just cut you off. Yes, you did. but did. <laughs> uh,
1: let me repeat that. That according to Fangraphs, the De liner to is right now the top defensive center fielder uh, with a four point six defense defensive quotient. Now, and, uh, a lot of that is is based on the, the amount of range he covers. Yes. But let me also say this: that in defensive runs saved, he also leads the major leagues with six defensive runs saved, and his arm his arm number is not bad. I don't know how they calculate. Yeah, I don't know uh, how you do that. The arm issue. It's not the strongest arm in the world. He knows that. He understands that. Everybody understands that. Uh, he, I do think what he does do a really good job of is he has strengthened it somewhat um, with a with a long toss program and, and, and with a lot of that. Uh, I think he's done a super job of getting to the ball quickly and getting and releasing it quickly. Yeah. Um, well, last, last night, last night he had one bad throw home that was way up the line. Yeah, he, he just doesn't.
0: You know what I would tell uh, Delino is what I or what if I were his coach is the same thing that I would uh, tell. You know, lots of outfit, or just hit the cutoff man. Right. You know, sometimes you got to go. You got to go home. There's no question about that. And 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 you know, uh, look. Look at NoMar Mazara in right field. He's got a good arm, but he's not a good outfielder. Uh so uh I, I you know last night we saw that he goes over to the line and drops the ball. It's you know it's clearly, you know, catch the ball, man. It's a, it's not an easy play, but it's a catchable ball and he just doesn't make the play and there's just too much of that happens out there. Like and last night we saw Isaiah kind of for laugh it goes back out, and, and you can see Delano calling him off on the ball and calling him off and calling him off, and, and he just stands there, and and then uh, the ball clanks off his glove because Delano's sliding in underneath him. So, you know, too much of that stuff is still happening on the, with this team. Uh, too many uh, plays like that. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, watching these guys play and watching uh, Jerks and Profar Drive that triple into the right center gap, uh, you know, uh, right handed, uh, you know, which has always been. A, and as you have uh, written previously, his his numbers from the right side are much improved over what they had been previously when it was almost seemed like he had, would need to be a platoon player.
1: Here's the amazing thing about profile right now is you know, he's only had 31 plate appearances against right against left handed pitchers but he's hitting 385 with a 1253 OPS against left-handed pitchers.
0: That's unbelievable.
1: Uh, against right-handed pitchers, you know, from the left side where he's always been more natural, he's got a 483 OPS in, in a lot more plate appearances. So yeah. right now the splits are, are very much reversed from what they have been in the past. Uh, I, I think he will hit better um, from the left-hand side uh, as, as he continues to play. But I, I think the most encouraging thing from pro far, I think that the two of the most, you mentioned the shields and offensively he's been He's been great, and he has been probably overall the single best uh, um, overall improved player. And he was a pretty good player at the end of last year. Sure, But to me, Profar against left-handed pitching and Mazar against left-handed pitching are two really big uh, signs of adjustments that young players have made. Both those guys are, are, are hitting left-handed pitching much better than they had in the past. Uh, goes Speaks to their work, speaks to them identifying issues and, and making changes.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and looking at this team here, and that's what I was going to bring up about Profar, is that, okay, so what we have said all along was that, well, if Profar played a lot here in the first half, which he was going to because of the injury to Elvis Andrus, um, that – Maybe he could get himself some trade value here and the and the Rangers could do something with him. Now I'm beginning to wonder though, uh let's look at a couple of situations here. You got uh speaking of Elvis Andrews, uh who, who who can opt out of his contract after this season. Scott Boris is his agent. Scott is not well known for re signing his guys. I don't I don't think Elvis wants to leave. I think his inclination would be to stay with the Rangers. But who, who knows, you know, maybe Elvis uh, listens to his agent and he says, I can get more money for you someplace else. And I can get you money someplace else where they're going to win uh, and they're going to win right away. And, uh, and listen, you're in your prime and maybe you need to be thinking about that. And then you got at second base, Ruggie Odor, who is still out uh, uh, with his uh, hamstring injury and uh and you know he was did not have a good year last year uh to say the least and was not off to a great start this year before he got hurt although that was a very small sample size um i'm wondering if they need to keep jerks and Profar around just uh just for insurance for both of those positions well i i
1: i think that Elvis's ability to get paid may be hampered a little bit by how much time he's going to miss this year. Yeah. See how long it takes him to come back because he's never missed a significant amount of time. Um, I do think that that Profar, uh, has, he, he's upped his value, whether it's to another club yeah. or to the Rangers. Right. Um, the thing that I'm still not sure about is I don't know if he's a big league, if he's an everyday shortstop. I don't know if I see – the arm to play shortstop. The Rangers say he has a strong enough arm, but I keep seeing throws that are not accurate.
0: Uh, now, let me, they let
1: blame that on footwork more than arm strength.
0: Well, here's what I would blame that on. There was a play he made that and I, and I'll agree with this. All right. He, he, for, for whatever reason he wants to drop down and throw, and it's almost it's past 3 quarters and 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 you know when you throw that way, I mean uh, that's the way Adrian Beltre throws, right? Except that he gets away with it. But when he but but he does when he makes an error, it's a throwing error. He right. never makes a fielding error, you know, and that's because of that ball. When you throw the ball that way, it's going to sail on you, you know. Every once in a while, if you don't release it exactly the right time, it's going to sail on you, and uh, that's what Profar was doing the other day. He made a he made a play where he had to kind of dive to his left, as I recall. It was in the grass, turned around, and he came over the top. And when he came over the top, that throw was ninety something miles an hour.
1: And they're they're work. They've been working on getting him. Uh, better situated to throw more a little bit more over the top, but uh,
0: I, I don't I don't have a problem with the arm, and and I, I'll say this about 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 Jerickson, and I've always thought this. I don't know if he's going to be a great shortstop. I don't I don't know if he's not. Gonna, I don't know if he's going to be as good as Elvis is right now. I think he's going to. I think he could be as good as Elvis was two or three years ago, and and I think it's good enough to play every day for somebody. I don't know if it'll be because here's the deal. There's a lot of great shortstops in baseball now. I mean, holy cow! Uh, if if any position has improved uh, markedly in baseball over the last thirty years, it's shortstop. Right? You know. Uh, so, I, I think that Jurickson is the kind of guy. I think because he's a switch hitter, because he's got a little pop—not a lot, but a little bit of pop. Uh, and he's an okay fielder. I think he needs to tighten up. I think he needs to mature. I think there there needs to be some issues there. But I I think that he's the kind of guy who could play for you every day and and uh, and and occupy a pretty good place in the lineup. He's not he, you won't have to hit him seventh or eighth. I think he could hit second for somebody. The fact that he's a switch hitter makes that a lot more valuable. I think he's you, I think you could do just fine with Elvis with uh, Jerks and Profar as your shortstop.
1: Well, let me just say this that uh, he has played shortstop now pretty much every day for the last three weeks. Yeah. Um, it's the most most playing time he's ever had, day in day out at one position in his career, um, and he's also been more productive as a shortstop uh, than than he has been at any position. Yeah, his OPS in that range, in that time is seven twenty one. It's mm-hmm. not going to cut it as an everyday shortstop in this league anymore. Um, well,
0: that's what Elvis used to do, though.
1: That's what Elvis used to do, and yeah. and on a team where you were full of of, of offensive players at, at at other positions, and you ran as well as Elvis did. Yeah. Uh, you could get away with it um right now i'm seeing i'm seeing 10 shortstops in the big leagues with uh, a 750 or above ops so it would be average to slightly below if he if he were to able to continue at that pace yeah um but you look at the you look at the great shortstops right now and you look at Oh, it's it's you look outrageous. At Simmons in Houston. Yeah. You look at no, Correa. I mean, you look at Correa in Houston. You look at Simmons in L. A. Yeah. The, the the American League West has some really good shortstops, and uh, I, I don't know that the Rangers can afford to to give up a guy who has been among the top ten in the big leagues the last two years.
0: Oh, you're asking me if they should if they should just let Elvis go? Correct. No, I don't know if think it's a question of letting Elvis go. Uh, I what I here's what I think needs to happen with this ownership group and we have talked about uh here and you have said well the rangers did the right thing because considering how bad everything else went it was okay that they signed all these retreads and the, for the rotation and all the rest of that I, I still don't agree with that uh for for a couple of reasons because i think that uh you, you you can weather some tough times uh and uh but when there's when there's there's no such thing as weathering any of this. This is just who you are now. This is what you're going to put up with. Um, I do think they're going to have to spend some money. Oh, well, I think
1: they're eventually going to have to spend money, and th- that's inevitable, especially with where their pitching is. But I yeah. think for where they were going into this year, um, knowing how many holes they had on the big league roster right now, knowing what the the um, the the level of of barren uh, barrenness.
0: It's barren barrenness. Level I, think, barren, I think I went to high school with him. Level of He's barrenness a great guy
1: at the top of the at the top of the system when it came to pitching. Um and, and knowing how many holes are still gonna have to fill long term and what that's going to take financially. Yeah. I, I think that they they got it right this winter. I'm not saying long term. I'm saying that this was the winter for them to say, Whoa, let's let's take a step back and we'll roll the dice a little bit. Probably doesn't come up where we're a winner, but maybe we can turn some of those pieces into trade pieces to help us, you know, kind of re mm-hmm. accelerate the growth process, right? But there were too many holes for this team to fill, especially after Otani went to a, a division rival, and there was nothing in my mind that they could do other than chase a second wild card. At the cost of probably another fifty million dollars in payroll
0: this year. What What do you care what the payroll is?
1: I don't care what the payroll is. I just don't think it's a smart move long term because you're going to have to sign all those guys to multi year deals. You do that, and then you're going to be pu- pushing up against next year if you go after Kershaw. If you end up going after an Arenado,
0: okay, do all And that that's, that's a great point about the the the, uh, the chasing these other guys. But here's here's my point: this team will not be appreciably better next year. As, as it is currently constructed this it will not pit- be appreciably better next year
1: this pitching staff will not be appreciably better next year no uh, i think i think that you have seen a lot of growth from a lot of from a lot of young position players uh <laughs> but the problem here and i think again one of the reasons the rangers whether you want to call it raise the right flag or whether they just kind of you know sat set out on the sides, they're another year or two away from yeah. being able to develop some pitches. So, here's what
0: I'm saying. So, then you, you, we talk about Clayton Kershaw signing him. I don't understand the difference between signing Darvish this last offseason and signing Clayton Kershaw next offseason. Who's the better pitcher? I'm not sure anymore. Whoa. Well, I mean, Darvish is off to a bad start. Uh, there's no question about that. Right. Uh, but, but Kershaw is also on the DL. Kershaw is on the DL, and and, that, and I think that's going to happen more and more and more with them.
1: That and, and that may be, but there's there's no question, no question that Clayton Kershaw is a better pitcher than you Darvish is.
0: Um, I mean, he even, has he has been a better, but that, see that's what we were just talking about about the Des Bryant and the Jason Witten thing. It doesn't matter what he has been; it ma- it, what matters is what he is going to be. Correct. And Clayton Kershaw is a guy with a bad back with a funky delivery uh, who is now, I, I believe now, all, and, and he's racked up a lot of innings and I believe all of these things have just come to fruition for him. Bless his heart. I love him to death. He's a great, great guy, been a great pitcher. He's a hall of famer, you know, but he has, uh, I, I to me, I would question just, whereas you Darvish, who is off to a terrible start with the Cubs. I mean, it's just unbelievable that he just cannot get everything going. Uh, I still believe in in you, Darvish. Though I would still believe that it, that is out there for him to be a good pitcher, uh, and uh, well, he you know he, he's had moments where he was a great pitcher. Uh, so anyway, my my point is though is I, I don't really see the difference in the gamble here. I I, I think I think you you're gambling on you, Darvish, before that he's ever going to come through to be what he was. But at least you know he's probably going to be healthy, whereas Clayton Kershaw. I, you're gambling on his health. I, I think that's a bigger gamble to me. And plus, you aren't going to get Clayton Kershaw for 20 21 million a year. You know, he's already making 30 million a year. That's correct. So, that's 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 a huge difference. That's 9 million a year difference here. So that so what can you do with that uh, you know a season. So, so to me, uh if you, if you weren't going to do that then there's no sense going for him. Uh, there's no then. There's no sense going for anybody after next year. Then you just start taking it on the chin every year until you, you roll up enough draft picks that uh, that you got and you're going with the Astros plan.
1: Well, I, I I mean, again, what do you care what the payroll is? You asked me that question.
0: No, no, no. I know that. What I'm saying, and if
1: if they're in a position next year where they're willing to roll the dice and and take and make that investment in Kershaw uh, at thirty plus million dollars. I still think the chances of Kershaw being – Darvish is two years older than Kershaw. He is. Um, Kershaw has almost 2,000 innings in the big leagues. Darvish has uh, about almost a 1,000 innings in the big leagues, but he's got a lot of innings in Japan. Yeah, he does. Um, Darvish has a Tommy John history. But,
0: it, but, it, but he does, but he's been fixed. He's been fixed. And, uh, the, and, and, and he's throwing harder now than he did before.
1: And if they had signed you, Darvish, this winter and not done anything else, I would have said, okay, that's a fine investment towards the future. Yeah. Um, that's what I the, said but the thing is you're you know what you'd be paying is let's say you'd be Darvish now all of a sudden instead of 21 million in effect you're, you're you, let's say over the course of four or five years you, you'd be amorti- amorti- amortizing, amortizing this year's salary mm-hmm. over the next four or five right. years when you think you're, you're, you're a contender now all of a sudden it's 25 26 million dollars for a guy who's 33 and who also look Darvish has one career season of 200 innings. That was in 2013. Yeah. Um, There's risks with both guys. I don't have a problem with the Rangers saying we're going to – we've been down this road with Darvish. We're not willing to go – we're not willing to pay, in effect, what counts as $25 or $26 million at a point in time where where we can contend. We think that whether it's Kershaw or whether it's somebody else, we're more willing to take that gamble –
0: at a higher price next year. Well, that's a, all right. Well, you use the, okay, you're, you bumped the 21 to 25 mm-hmm. on Kershaw. You bumped the 30 to 35. Uh,
1: I I think that the, the Kershaw, you know, you're talking 33, 34. Yeah, I, I think so.
0: That's a significant difference. It is. It's 8 million bucks a year. Or nine or 10. I I just, um, I just. And, and I, you know, I, and there's no
1: guarantee that they, that they go out and get Kershaw. But I, I feel like the Rangers felt. This winter they couldn't fix this team in its entirety. Certainly not without getting Otani
0: and the value that he. But would they're have not bought. fixing it next year with Creighton Kershaw either. Probably not. Yeah. See, that's that's my point. My point is that I don't see the difference between this year and next year. It's there, there was there was as we know the the young pitching in their system is not ready. Correct. It's not ready this year. It's not ready next year. Correct. You know they're not doing anything uh, this year to make you think. That these guys are now. They're just right on the cusp.
1: So so, uh, to your point, we're going to see here and parse this up. Then now all of a sudden you're talking about signing Darvish to a five or six year deal. And the first two years are going to be wasted. Correct. Because Darvish isn't going to fix your problems. either. So now all of a sudden you've got 40, $40 million that you're paying for nothing. Correct. And then you've got to amortize that over the next four years. My,
0: my feeling is is that I think the long term that that you would be a better investment than Clayton. I, I just think that Clayton is at the end.
1: Uh, you know, the, right now with Clayton Kershaw on the DL and you know one and four with a three and a half ERA, uh, in, in the back issues he's had in the past, certainly uh, there's more reason than ever to to suspect that. Yeah, I am. Um, I view Clayton and I view Darvish both as as freaks, and I, I think that uh, uh, I think that Darvish may pitch longer than Clayton does, yeah. age wise. But I think that it, it's I, I think that it's very. I
0: don't think there's any doubt in my mind he'll pitch longer.
1: I think it's very likely that Clayton Kershaw will that there's still years left on Clayton Kershaw.
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know why you would think that when you look at the uh, the the health history. He's it's just it's picking up now. And he's getting into a point uh, where, as I said, when you have a, a funky delivery and you... Uh, and, and let's not you, say that it's that it's either or. It may be neither. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I'd rather, you know, listen, it does make a difference, as we know with this team, how they spend their money. Because because of the money they spent on Shinsu Chu and on Prince Fielder, you know, it kept them from doing a lot of things, you know. If that money had not been invested... This would be a completely different look on this team by now. I'm assuming. Yes, you would think so. So uh, we'll we'll see what they end up doing with this team. But uh, but going forward for this year, uh, what what do you expect to see in the, in the second half? As, even as these guys come back, as Beltray comes back, as uh, as uh, Elvis comes back, as as Odor comes back, what do you expect?
1: Uh, you know, I I think that there's. The expectations I have have nothing to do with those guys, um, with the exception. Yeah, no.
0: How's that going to impact the other guys on the team? Well, I uh,
1: listen. I, I've had a lot of questions about. Uh, everybody is in love with Isaiah Um Certainly, he does a lot of nice things on the field. I thought last night he turned a great double play on he a did. terrible throw by Renato Nunez,
0: who is not a third baseman. No, um, uh, he did botch that play in center field.
1: But here's here's so here's the deal. Uh, Odor should be back sometime this week, probably on Friday. Okay. Beltre is going to be back maybe tonight, probably tomorrow. Okay? All right. So you're going to have two, two guys that are going to that are going be gone. Uh, I think the Rangers will decide that they can DFA Nunez. I think they've given him some degree of, of, of exposure. Se- not seeing a, a good position for him on the field. I think that uh, they haven't. He's got some power, but it hasn't really shown up yet.
0: Um, well, it did, but somebody took it away from me.
1: And clearly, um, clearly, Eliezer Alvarez, who was called up last night for Drew Robinson, uh, is just here as a placeholder. Uh, and Robinson was going to be sent down with one of these right. others. So what you'll have now is is until Elvis gets back on, on what the Rangers hope will be June 11th, you'll have Odor at second, Profar at short, Beltray at third. Uh, and kiner Falafel will be the backup middle infielder, and I suspect he will play fairly regularly. Whether that's three or four times a week, I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the interesting call comes when Elvis comes back mm-hmm. because you will have had Profar and Odor on the field together for a month. Uh, Odor's got to show some progress. Yeah. Uh, and, and at the same time, we've seen some nice offense of, uh, out of Profar lately, but it's not like he's tearing anything up. No, he's The guy's not. hitting 225. Right. His, his OPS for the full season is still under 700. Um, I think he's a better defender than Odor is. I think Odor can impact the baseball uh, and, and, and impact the game with a, with a swing more than... than and more he's than faster. Um, so I, I think the interesting call will be how much of a meritocracy do they actually run come the middle of June. Uh, and that'll be based on what those two guys do over the
0: next over the next four weeks. What do you um, think the, on the contract situation with Odor? He's got, was it a four-year or five-year deal? I believe it was a six-year deal. It's a six-year deal? So he's got oh five no. years
1: left. This is the, the second of
0: six years. Yeah.
1: Not um. Good. It was six years and forty-nine million dollars. And that's not a huge commitment. It's not a huge commitment, but there there's still a commitment there. And and I think the other thing is, you know, this is a a twenty-three year old guy, and you want to make sure that. Um, yeah, you uh, don't want to give up on a twenty. You thing. certainly don't want to. He's twenty-four. I'm sorry. You don't want to give up on that guy. Uh, but but I just think that all the things that I expect to happen with the club are just more and more opportunities for young guys to play and play more regularly. I do think that when Elvis does come back, you will use Profar as your in some regard whether he's the second baseman or the, the the backup middle infielder. He'll be in something of a super utility role, mm-hmm. and Conor kind of Felipa will go back to the minors at that point. I think the Rangers would like him to catch a little bit more down there yeah. and continue to build that skill. It would not surprise me if the Rangers ask him to play a little bit of outfield down there. I don't. I they're not going to. Could he put, play any third base? He's played third base. I
0: mean, I don't. I, I, I have not he's seen played, him play. Third he's base played though.
1: okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's not your prototypical third baseman because he he lacks the power, mm-hmm. but he's played the position all right. I. I I, they're not going to put catching on him at the big league level at this point in time. No. They're not going to ask him to go out to the outfield and learn the outfield at the big league level. But I think come June, you know, they would have a good six weeks where he could go to the minors, catch a little bit more regularly, learn some outfield elements, potentially. Because what we're talking about with this guy now, he can play second, he can play short, he's played some third, could he catch, could he play some outfield? That's a lot to put on a guy. It's an awful lot because utility guys may play a corner outfield spot and the middle infield spots. But we're talking about a guy who could play all three infield spots, an outfield spot, and take on the responsibility of catching,
0: which uh, is difficult. But see, here's the thing. I don't know why you'd want to even play the outfield. They've got uh, long term, uh, maybe long term. But here's the deal. who's
1: this team's who's this team's backup center fielder. Well,
0: who's this team's backup third baseman? Renato Nunez, yeah, yeah well, he, well, he's not a third baseman either. I want to, I want to see if this kid can play third base because look, here's the thing: third base is wide open. When when Beltray's gone, there is nobody to play third base. What if you next year ended up with Profar at short and Anderson at third? Wow, Anderson at third. I don't know. You know, we, we the saw, Rangers have moved a shortstop to third well, no, base, and, and and we saw how that worked out. I love uh, Michael. Michael's not a third baseman, but it, they, he was a great second. He, as as he moved to his right, he got progressively worse. But be that as it may be, yeah,
1: that opened the door for Elvis to play every day, made them a better team.
0: It did. I'm I, I, yeah. I don't think that. And Elvis, Elvis's numbers, Elvis's numbers have really been good. But they'd have to really be good to play third base. Well, but kind of for Elvis. No, I know that. I know so, that. I'm just saying. i saying for right now as a backup. You know, as a guy, because here you're talking about getting people some some innings to play. Uh, I, I'd like to, you know, Adrian is a guy who has to sit down. You know, he's got to sit down. You know, yes, he's got to sit down. More. So, so here here's the thing I want to bring up to you, though, that this is something that I have reversed on completely. With the, with it seems to me the determination of the Rangers to figure out if uh, Ronald Guzman is uh, is the first baseman of the future here which we had all decided that was really going to be Joey Gallo right. because of his athleticism and his ability, and he, he really improved over the course of the last season and, and made himself into a guy who looks like he could be a potentially a gold glove first baseman. So they bring up Guzman, and he looks terrific at first base. There's no question about that. He made a play last night on a smash to his right. Just a terrific play. Just smothered the ball and then got mm-hmm. up and made a mm-hmm. nice toss on the ball. So, you know, he's still not hitting. Uh, the way they want him to hit, or like they think he's going to hit. I he does not look like the kind of guy who's going to, you know. I don't know what his ceiling is. Is he Mitch Moreland? Uh, if if, if is that his ceiling? Doesn't uh, if, have Mitch Moreland's power abilities. Not right now. He doesn't. He might make more contact. And he's and Mitch was very good. I think that this kid is more athletic at first base than Mitch was. I think that. Uh, I think that he probably a little bit could be a little better defensively. Uh,
1: uh he, he he Mitch was a good defensive for is a good defensive first baseman but this kid shows even more ability. It's yeah. a bigger target. Yeah. He's more athletic at first base. He moves yeah. better. Yeah. Uh all of that said, here's the deal. He had that first series when he came up and was a little bit of a surprise call up and maybe maybe uh I think that first series was at Houston. Maybe the Astros weren't all that prepared for him since then. Okay? Take that first series out where yeah. I think he went 4 for 14. Uh, He's 8 for 50 with 19 strikeouts um, and three walks. Uh, He's got no home runs. He's got four extra base hits. It's a 160 batting average and a 482 OPS. So offensively, I think some things are being exposed right now. Um, We've only seen him take six total at-bats against left-handed pitching. Uh, You certainly don't want to get into a situation where you've got a platoon left-handed first baseman. No. Um, uh, And so... I do think again you have the ability though this year, um, and this would be, you know, I I, I think this was one this is one of my real regrets about the Rangers not forcing Cole Hamels into the six man rotation this year, is this year is the year to experiment. Yeah, this is the year to try anything. Give yourself an actual database of what a six man rotation looks like, how it functions, how that mandatory fifth day of rest. Uh, and built into a regular schedule, how that impacts pitchers. Uh, give yourself an opportunity to run Ronald Guzman out there every day at first base and give him 400 at-bats this year to find out, you know, can he make some adjustments against left-handed pitching? Will he can – he, can he hit? I, there's no doubt in my mind that you are a plus. You are You are getting a defensive asset whether you play Joey Gallo at first base or whether you play him in left field.
0: All right, and here's I want to stop you right there. Okay. Because that's what this is the point I was getting to. And
1: I'm gonna I know what it's gonna be, and I'm gonna disagree. But go ahead.
0: Wow. Go ahead. All right. Now here's the deal. So, so we what we said all along about Joey was well, you really wanted to play first base because he's a big guy, right? Right. And then pounding and all that, and all this, all that stuff. How much bigger is he than Nomar Mazara? Uh,
1: weight wise, uh, I, I think mostly it comes down to weight. Gallo is listed at 249 I think uh this this lists him at 230. he's bigger than that he's big. He's, he's close to 250 and yeah. Mazar this this lists Mazar at 215 so there's about a 20 pound difference between the two
0: okay but still a big guy Mazar is a big guy right uh and so here here's my point if playing uh Guzman is going to force Joey off first base into the outfield then I'd rather have Joey playing right field He's more athletic. He's faster. He's got a better arm. Why would you want him to play right field at the ballpark in Arlington? Why do you want Nomar Mazar to play it? It's
1: smaller than left field. But the. But the if you, you, want your, you want your worst defender in right field. That's why the Rangers moved Juan Gonzalez to right field all those years ago. So he wouldn't have to run as much.
0: Okay. I, 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 I get that. Mazar,
1: there's no way Mazar can cover the gap in left center.
0: That's a big left but center. But you got count. but you got uh but you've got uh um who's the guy playing center field? Delano Deshields.
1: Delano. It's Delano Deshields. The Rangers had Otis Nixon and then Tom Goodwin. They had plenty of speed out there. The bottom line still is I don't want a guy who's a subpar defender in right field now moving over to a bigger defensive responsibility in left field. Mazzara's arm is fine for right field. It is. There's here's, no problem
0: with his arm. His his arm is fine. I've, I feel like we I see more trouble. I don't know. I I, I get the I get the the, the thought about uh, the uh, the the right field left field thing at the ballpark, but I feel like there is the ball seems to find Mazzara uh, is my point, and and we see more plays like last night where he's running to the foul line and just the ball clanks off his glove. Um, and, and, and I, I'm not saying, you know, I'd, I'd like to see what the, what the numbers say, you know, uh, you know, you know, who's getting more, who's getting more opportunities out here in left field or right field. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't feel like anybody has the, the balls getting in the left field or you're getting caught, you right. know, uh, and the balls getting hit in the right field or not, right you know, so I don't know. I'd like a, I'd like to see a, a kind of a dive down in the numbers for that. Just I think a little bit does. of that is
1: in, in long term. I think a lot of that's going to depend on what your pitching staff looks like, whether they're, yeah, a, you know, whether they're predominantly right handed, whether they're predominantly left handed, whether they're fly ball guys, whether they're ground ball guys. Yeah. All I know is if you are going to play half your games, and listen, by two thousand twenty, this could all be different. You could have a small left field and a big right field. Good. Um, Good. So all of that could be changed, but as this team is constructed right now. I want the lesser defensive responsibility placed on Nomar Mazara, um, because Absolutely. he's a lesser defender. Absolutely, and so that's right field. And none of this takes into consideration now Willie Calhoun. And so what yeah. you're what you're looking at is you are a good, not a good, you are a better defensive team, uh, better defensive alignment than you will have in any shape or form. With Guzman at first, who's a plus defender at first, yeah. and Gallo in left field, who's a plus defender in left field. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, you bring in the fact that Mazzara has not been a good defensive outfielder. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of your outfield mainstays. You got Willie Calhoun sitting there. Right. He he's a left fielder. Again, I I still think. But you just the, said
0: he's a right fielder because of the army's a left fielder.
1: Well, because of the army's a left fielder. Yeah. Um, I still think that one of the things that you may see happen before the end of the year is even though. I think fans feel like the Chew contract was a bad contract, right? It's yeah, it's a bad contract. Yeah, he's performed offensively at a at a more than adequate level. He's a he's 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 been an on base guy over three fifty for his time. Well, he he
0: he was what they got. It was a, mis- a mistake on their part, but he was he was he he's is not who been he a, was.
1: He's not been unproductive.
0: Is what right. I'm saying. Yeah.
1: Now he's not been as pretty he's not been a good defensive outfielder and that's Oof. part of the reason that they moved him to dh right. but now all of a sudden you're talking about toward the second half of this year you're almost a year closer to the end of that contract you're not looking at potentially contending in 2019 right. you've got two guys who might be better situated at dhs than as outfielders do you are you forced to make a call on chu sometime before the end of this year so that you can start to play both Calhoun and Guzman.
0: Make a call, what do you mean?
1: Do you potentially try and, and deal him and eat the rest of that contract? Do you potentially uh, just out-and-out out release him? Do you have to do something so that you can create opportunity for both Calhoun and Guzman and and Mazzara to get every day at bat?
0: Has a, has a player ever been released with $40 million left on his contract? Oh, yeah. $40 million? Oh, yeah, I think so. Really? I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'd like yeah. to know who that was. Um that's a – you know, knowing this organization and how – I mean,
1: I think Scott Casimir had that kind of money. Now he's a pitcher, but well, – Pitchers yeah.
0: are a little different because uh, you, you overpay pitchers right. anyway. But um, I, I will say –
1: Braves
0: released Braves released Adrian Gonzalez this year after they traded for him. How much, he had he had a ton of money left. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I do think – you know, that's what's frustrating about this Rangers roster – is that, um, and as we've discussed before, not a lot of two-way players on it, you know, and, and that's the way baseball is going. You know, you brought up, you brought up, uh, you know, when you were talking about shortstops a while ago, you brought up Simmons and Correa, two really good shortstops and, and two really good hitters, you know, and it's like people just, you got to be able to do both things. yep, And especially in your outfield. Uh, and uh, I, I believe those guys have got to play. And so, that's what makes to me the fact that that the Shields has improved himself. I believe so much defensively has really upped his value now. And now he's not such a, you know, a liability. Now you know if in a couple of years that Tavares is ready to play and you can put him in center field, you can move over to left field. And then, then he's then he's okay. Then then everything's all right. You can actually play with him.
1: But right now, I mean, right now with Joey Gallo in left field, they're above average defensively. I think in left field.
0: No, they are. I I think so too. Well, that's what I mean. I think Joey's probably all around their best outfielder uh, because of his arm and because he's fast and because he seems to have some of the instincts for it. Mm -hmm. You watch him play most of the time. What I like about Joey is he just settles under the ball and catches it. Right. There's not a lot of it. At the last minute moving around like with, with, with Chew, you watch Chew in the outfield. It's like he's never played it before in his whole life. Right. Every ball hit to him is an adventure. Right. And and so, you know, uh, I I my inclination would be to do that. I got to tell you, my inclination is this: I don't know where Willie Calhoun fits on this team. You know, I, I I've written this year that I think they should give him a shot, and I think they should. Because I think you should show people this is who this is what this bat can do, right. and then I think then I think they need a dealing. I, think they need, to deal him. I need, well, need to put him in a package for somebody and say because I don't see how he fits on this team. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he he's, he's going to have to play in the American League, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so at least they got that going for him. They got him out of the Dodgers system, you but know. But he could,
1: he could fit as, as a long-term, as a very valuable long-term DH.
0: He could. I mean, I I don't have any doubt that
1: he's, he's going to hit. I just. He, I think he, he's going to be like Al Oliver. But right now there's not a position for him to play.
0: No, there's not. And I just think that when you. It'd be one thing if you were if you were hiding one guy. You know, but but here's the deal. You got Mazzara. He's not a good outfitter. He's not going to get any better. This is who he is, I believe, you know, and uh, I just think that that it's not like the Shields. The Shields was working on his instincts and stuff like that. Mazzara has just shown us that he will just clank balls. You know, if you if you you can't run to a ball and just stick your glove out and get it to fall in it, Then, then you're in trouble. So so you're already hiding him. You know, you can't hide two, right? And and that's and that's the issue here, and I, and it's just unfortunate. You know, it almost makes you wish. What about Mazzara playing first base? Is that completely out of the question? I mean, you know, because it, it, I don't, I'm not sure. I believe in Guzman. I think he's really good defensively. I just don't know if he's going to hit. All uh, agreed. All agreed. I you know the 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 thing about yeah.
1: and you you talk about the value of defense. Yeah, I mean. The first baseman has an ability to impact the no, defense of three other players. On no the field. question about it. No um, question
0: about it. I'm not, and I'm not, yes, I'm not I'm for dumping anybody anywhere. Uh, because I got to tell you, as I, as I was saying about him in the outfield, the issue seems to be where he's placing his glove, you know. <laughs> and so at first base, you know, when a guy's throwing a ball from you, when Adrian Beltran is throwing the ball over you, I'm telling you right now, that ball is not coming in a straight line. That ball is doing all kinds of stuff on the way over there. And so, you know, if he can't see that, pick that up, make those kind of throws, dig that out. Just like, you know, Adrian said about Mitch when he won his last gold glove, he says, hey, I owe that to Mitch Moreland. He's sure. he's digging out balls over there. He's catching balls that I'm, I'm yeah. not throwing well.
1: No, I, I think for where, the, for where the game is right now, um, you really are hoping, if you're a Ranger fan, that Guzman can hit. Yeah, because defensively he is an asset. Yeah, defensively Gallo in left field is an asset. Yeah, um, and if you if there's a way long term for the two of those guys to be on the field at the same time and give you the offense that you need, uh, that's where where this team needs to go. But y- yeah, there's no guarantee that Guzman hits, and maybe you do need the the offense of Willie Calhoun more than you do. But here's the deal. You move Willie Calhoun to left field. If you put Willie Calhoun in the mix, yep. you're weakening yourselves at at, at a position. Yep. And now you're also forcing the liner to really have to cover c- balls in two different areas. Yep. Yeah, that's the
0: worst. That's the one of the worst outfields in baseball, with Willie in left and the Mazar in right.
1: With Guzman at first base and Gallo in left, all of a sudden, you know, now the Shields can play a little bit more over towards the right to, to help Mazar out a little bit. Gallows an above average left fielder you're above average at first base defensively you have some assets yeah so right now I still think even though I hear from fans every day when's Willie getting called up when's Willie getting called up I think right now you've got your you you've got assets defensively yeah that can help you win games and I don't know that you can expect Willie Calhoun to come up here and rake from day one.
0: No, uh, he hasn't really done that, uh, so far in the minors, uh, this year. Uh, he's, and I, I, I fully believe that's all because he has head all in the wrong place. You know, he, he, he's looking at this thing and thinking, what has Ryan Rue and Drew Robinson done for you? And, and you keep running them out there. Why can't you run me out there and do the same thing? And I, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, I would you know, I have not really understood the fascination with those two guys and trying to give them a shot. They just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying, and you just don't see any production from either one of them. So, uh, I, I would. I want... don't think
1: that they. I don't think Drew Robinson has had a a great long term shot.
0: Not not a great one, but you know, he just he he's just what's there. I,
1: I think I think both Drew Robinson and Ryan Rua offer you some advantages as a backup outfielder.
0: They do. I, mean, I don't
1: think that either. One, I, I I don't think that either one of them is what you would consider a even a platoon guy. I think no. you consider these guys as these guys are winning pieces as backup outfielders. Yeah, they both run pretty well. They've got a little bit of pop. I think that that Ryan defends really well in left field. I think Drew has the ability to play some on the infield for you. Yeah, he's not a great defender no. um, by any stretch yet. But those those are championship bench type players. They're championship. Not, they're not qual. They're not what you right now would call um, everyday players. I still think that I still think long term that Robinson deserves and will get another look. But right now he's
0: he's he's not a. He, he, but here's the here's the hole in what you're just saying. So here's what they're doing. They're they're running guys out there and giving guys time who are. Pieces on championship teams. They are at least three years away from being anything close to a championship team, and in three years, Ryan Rua will be thirty-one years old, uh, mm-hmm. and um, and Drew Robinson will be twenty-eight or twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. So to me, that those are the last things you go get. Oh yeah. And so that's to me, that's the issue with that. You have to ask yourself in these situations, unless you just don't have anybody who can play. You don't. You know. And and, and right now, well, we... people. That, that's what then. That's what fans will argue about. But but Willie and and I I will say Willie needed time to get some issues worked out in the outfield. No use embarrassing yourself on the big league level. That might impact how you how you perform at the plate. All those things are are all all true. No question about it. Uh, Willie Calhoun will be up here in the big leagues
1: before the end of this year, and who will get he will get significant at bats. But right now, I still think before the the end of
0: the year is it before the All Star break.
1: Um, I I don't know if it'll be, you know, around the all-star break and and going into the second half or or before, but right now I still think the most important thing for him is to continue to develop as an out, as a defensive outfielder who won't, like you say, end up embarrassed up here in the, in in the big leagues. Right.
0: Well, uh, I think you
1: can accomplish, you just have the ability to do more individual work to get more reps and, and all of that stuff as an everyday left fielder in the minor leagues at the present moment.
0: Yeah, that, I, I agree with that. It's just that, and I'm sure this is the way, you know, I understand why fans feel the way they do. He's your number one prospect. He's the one closest, I mean, when I say number one prospect, he's the one that's closest to being ready. Who Who knows how good Tavares is going to be? I mean, he looks like he's really good, but he's, you know, he's 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 buried in the system right now. So uh, I, I really feel like that – If this season has turned into this thing where this is who you are now and this is what you have to do, you know, we got we got to play these guys. Then what the heck, you know, bring the kid up, let him play. And that and and I think so. I think he needs to come up. I think he needs to come up by the end of this month. I think that's and and play where and uh, and play left field. If Guzman by the end of this month is not doing anything, if he's still hitting less than two hundred, then then he needs to go back. You know, I I, I I want guys to develop and I want to see them play. But after an extended period of time, if you're st- if you're hitting less than two hundred, uh, then this is not productive for you. It's what happened to Joy. Remember when he came up and then at the end of the year he's just flailing at everything, and that's that's not a productive environment for a guy. If you you know you can watch the at bats. You know, if you feel like a guy is just I think by the end
1: of this, if, if Guzman plays regularly, I, I, I just shut off my computer because I'm getting ready for lunch. Wow, okay. Um I think Guzman has right at about a hundred at bats right now. Um, and I think by the end of the month maybe you get uh, you get him to close to two hundred. I could certainly say that all right, you've given him exposure, you've given him the ability to uh to learn a few things. Actually he's the guy's only got sixty two at bats to this point. Okay. So by the end of this month maybe he has a hundred and ten. Is that enough to make a call and say, okay, these are the things? Maybe not, but I, I could certainly see that by the end of the month, the guy's still hitting, you know, a buck ninety or two hundred, and and you say, all right, it, it's time to give Willie the opportunity to look to look at Willie for the next month and a half. He plays every day. Then come the All Star break, the, the second half, and and uh, you start to turn over the roster, and both these guys are are getting every day at bats. This this way, Guzman could potentially go back for for June. Part of July and work on some things at the minor league level. While yeah Calhoun plays up here.
0: Yeah, I'm for that. All right. All right. So are we, are we bailing out?
1: I'm pretty much ready to go have lunch.
0: Okay. Where are we going? I don't know yet. You don't? No. Okay. We're not. I went to Pepe's yesterday, so I don't want to go there. Today. Okay. Uh,
1: well, we should sign off before we get oh, into this conversation. Are we still
0: talking? Yeah, we're still on. The air. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, for everybody in here to everybody out there.